This summer we um, had the opportunity to have our family together. And one of the interesting things when uh, we were together is our oldest son had brought his girlfriend. He actually lives in San Diego and had brought his girlfriend along. And so she got to spend time with our family, which is, you know, kind of one of those make it or break it things, you know, no pressure. Um, but it was, it was interesting in that process because uh, there was one time we were kind of all together and I just kind of said something in a certain way and his girlfriend's name is Mafalda and Mafalda just goes, that's exactly like Jordan, and, who's my oldest son. And, and I'm like, no, 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 he copied me. Let's make sure we get that right. Uh, but I, I think it, you know, it just speaks to this whole thing about uh, kids and parents. You know how kids copy, they mimic their parents, whether the kids want to or not. And those of you who are parents now, you, you probably remember some time when your kids were younger and all of a sudden you said something or you did something it was like, oh no, that was my dad. That's the way my dad responded. Or that's the way my mother responded. Um, and even uh, for kids, kids catch more than what they are taught. They catch our behaviors and they catch our habits. They catch our language and the way we say things or the way we feel about things or our attitude, especially about things in the world or things at work or whatever. They, they catch everything. Why? Because they are around us all the time. The greatest influencers on kids are their parents. Research shows that. I, I know we, we sometimes think maybe it's their friends, and yes, their friends have a great influence, and uh, yes, there are uh, parents and, or teachers and that kind of stuff that have an influence, but the greatest influence on kids is their parents. It's because they're around us all the time. It's part of the idea behind this old Jewish saying that I've shared a couple of times, and it's a blessing kind of thing, and, it, and the blessing goes like this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, may you walk so close with your rabbi, with Jesus, and for so long that the dust of his feet as he is walking along begins to cover you. There's there's a proximity piece to this, and that is you are close to your rabbi, and there is a longevity piece to this in that it's how much time you are spending with your rabbi. So the closer you are and the longer you are with anybody, the more you'll become like that person. It's just what happens. And that's been the heart of what we've been looking at over this last summer, even over the last year. We are followers of Jesus. If we are followers of Jesus, are we like Jesus? Do we do what Jesus did? Again, it's a 
proximity piece and it's a longevity piece. We spent over a year and a half walking through 1 Corinthians and one of the main messages of, of Paul in 1 Corinthians is all about unity and then twice in the course of this letter he tells the church in Corinth, he says, in, in one way or another, imitate me as I imitate Christ or follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, hey, you see the way I'm living my life? I'm imitating Christ. So if you want to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, just watch me. The dust of the rabbi Jesus was all over Paul. Now, the ironic thing is that Paul didn't spend any physical time with Jesus. Remember, Paul wasn't one of the original 12. Paul came a little bit later. But... Once he had his road to Damascus experience, he spent tons of time in the presence of the Lord. The other thing we talked about this last winter is that in the midst of us wanting to be a follower of Jesus and to be like him, there is this thing that we called the great deception, and that is we have this adversary who is the devil, and he's the father of lies, and that's his language, and his goal is death and destruction, and his strategy is deception and lies, and we had this phrase, and it said, deceptive ideas, which come from Satan, play into our disordered desires, which is our flesh, and then are normalized in our society or in our culture. In other words, we listen to the deceptive ideas of the evil one, and they feeds into our disordered desires. And the more a bunch of us do that together, it becomes the norm in our society. And that's why we, we can name them. Things that the Bible calls sin or not bringing glory to God are things that are normal in our world today. After that, we talked about the way of Jesus and... If we want to be with Jesus and be like Him, there are some spiritual practices that we need to do, like reading your Bible, being in God's Word. If you want to have close proximity with Jesus and longevity, the more your time, time you're reading the Word and the more time you're spending in here, the, the more you will become like Jesus. Talked about prayer and fasting and worship and celebration. And we also talked about the difference between the crowd and the followers of Jesus in Jesus' time. The crowd was there, wanted to be fed by Jesus, feeding the 5,000, wanted to see the miracles, uh, wanted to have the nice, great teaching. But when Jesus said the hard things or called them to a sacrificial living, they were out of there. That's the crowd. Followers of Jesus, uh, they want the same things. They, they want to be fed by Jesus. They want to see the miracles and all that kind of stuff. But when Jesus calls them to a life of sacrifice, they continue to walk with Jesus. And so that's why we, this summer, did this series on Jesus' stories. We went through the book of Luke. Because again, it's a proximity piece. It's a longevity piece. The closer I am with Jesus, the more time I spend with Jesus. The more I'll become like Jesus. And so we wanted to look at <clears throat> what, did, what was Jesus all about? 
And so that's what we did this summer. And so today, um, just kind of to put a bow on this summer series, I'm going to talk about the 12 lessons that we learned about Jesus this summer. So I figured 10 minutes a lesson, we'll get her done in two hours. Just kidding. So the first lesson that I want to point out from the summer is this. A disciple of Jesus is always growing. As we looked at Luke 1 and 2, we looked at Jesus and Jesus, when he was 12, remember they went to Jerusalem and they were celebrating the Passover feast and then, you know, Mary and Joseph left with their family, with their clan, because they were walking with the clan and they got about a day's journey back to Jerusalem and, uh, where's Jesus? Uh, you know, I mean, we joked about Joseph and Mary, Mary's parenting style. But they ran back and they found Jesus in the temple and Jesus like was like, What's the big deal, Mary and Joseph? What's the big deal, Mom and Dad? I'm where my father's is at. I'm in his house. And Luke tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. Wisdom being knowledge, and more than just knowledge, but understanding, common sense. He knew how to take what all this knowledge of Christ and how to put it into action and Favor is the Greek word charis, which is where we get our word grace. And so he grew in grace. And so as a follower of Jesus, if Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and grace, I need to grow in those areas too. I need to look at my journey with Jesus as not a someday I'll get it, but more like, what do you have for me today Jesus. Second lesson that we learned is this. A disciple of Jesus has a strong sense of their identity and purpose all the while being dependent on the Holy Spirit. Here in chapters 3 and 4, we looked at Jesus as he was baptized and then he was led into the wilderness and then he began his ministry. And Luke points out some important things and that is one, he Jesus knew his identity. His identity came from the Father. Remember when he was baptized, the Father said, this is my Son who I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And we have the whole um, thing with uh, Satan in there, the temptation. And then Jesus came out of the wilderness and it says he came out and he began his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus quotes Isaiah 61 saying that he came to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus knew his identity. He knew his purpose. As a follower of Jesus, we can know our identity and we can know our purpose. It's right there. It's nothing new. And here's the crazy thing. There's an identity and purpose for all of us that is same for all of us. Our identity is from the Father. We are His children. We have been baptized and the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And yes, we've probably gone through some stuff, but... Jesus is going to empower us with the Holy Spirit to do what he's called us to do. And here's our purpose. 
proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. That's our purpose. Sure, we have different gifts and different talents and different passions, yes, but we, as the body of Christ, are children of God created in His image, and we, as the body of Christ, are to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Third lesson, a disciple of Jesus does what Jesus does, and that is love your enemies. This is a hard one. Right? Love your enemies, and then do good to those who hate you. Okay, let's, one more, let's up the ante. Bless those who curse you, and then pray for those who abuse you. That's what Jesus did. I mean, think about it. Jesus is on the cross, and what does he say to his Father? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. As a follower of Jesus, if we're going to be like Jesus, then we're going to love our enemies. And we're going to do good to those who hate us or who don't do good to us. We're going to bless those who curse us. Our world is so divided and that division has crept into the church and we, even in the church, have drawn lines in the sand and we said, what side are you on? And we almost label the person on the other side who's also a believer, we almost label them as our enemy. Jesus is like, erase the line. And go bless them. Go do good to them. Love them like crazy. The fourth lesson is a disciple of Jesus recognizes how much they have been forgiven. And this is the story of a woman of the city, a prostitute coming in to Jesus. Jesus is eating with Pharisees. And this woman comes in, pours perfume on on Jesus' feet, crying and tears on Jesus' feet, takes her hair and wipes his feet. And the Pharisees are like, Jesus, do you have any idea who's touching you? Seriously. And Jesus tells a story of two people who owe money to uh, a lender. One owes a whole bunch of money and the other one just a little bit of money and both debts are forgiven. And Jesus says, who, who's going to love the lender more? Well, Yeah, sure, the one who has been forgiven more. What if we remember and realize that all of us, no matter our past, have been forgiven the same amount when it comes to our relationship with God? This is the bigger deal for you if you're like me and you were raised in a church, raised in a Christian home, and you probably have felt like you're a Christian your whole life. You, you, you know, you haven't done anything really bad. You're no different than the person who is totally against God. When it comes to forgiveness, all of our debt has been canceled. So, A disciple of Jesus recognizes how much they have been forgiven. Because when you recognize how much forgiven, the only response is for you to get on your knees before Jesus and thank Him. 
and worship him for that forgiveness. A fifth lesson is this. A disciple of Jesus knows that Jesus is sending me out to proclaim the good news of Jesus. This is Luke 9 and 10, where we find Jesus first sending out the 12, the apostles, and then later on in the next chapter, he sends out the 72 Not long into their time with Jesus, Jesus is sending them out. Okay, here's what you're supposed to do. Bring the kingdom of God into the world. You see, for, for Jesus, when his disciples and the 72 went out, the kingdom of God went with them. We are to go, because we're followers of Jesus, we are to go into the world... Go to where Jesus isn't, and just by showing up there and loving people, we bring the kingdom of God there. Jesus says in Luke 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Earnestly pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Again, the purpose that Jesus came is to seek and save the lost. And so he modeled that by sending his disciples out to do it. As a follower of Jesus, I realize that Jesus is sending me out. Sixth lesson we learned this summer is a disciple of Jesus knows that prayer is a key component of the relationship with Jesus Christ. Disciples saw Jesus praying all the time. It says, and he withdrew to lonely places often. They asked Jesus, the disciple asked Jesus to teach them to pray. He teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And then Jesus tells the story of the persistent friend of this guy who has guests come late at night. He has no bread, and so he goes in the middle of the night, knocks on his neighbor's door, and with audacity in the middle of the night asks for food. And Jesus says, be like that person. When you pray, be like that. Come all the time to your Father and ask. Ask and keep asking. But notice then Jesus says, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And notice that the man is not asking for his own needs. He's asking for the needs to help a friend. And so I wrote this question down and shared this with on that Sunday. And it was this, what would it be like if we prayed persistently and with shameless audacity for God to give us the Holy Spirit because we have neighbors and coworkers and friends and family who have arrived on our doorsteps and they need Jesus? Am I audaciously going to the Father for my co-workers and classmates and neighbors who don't know Jesus? Seventh lesson, we're over halfway. A disciple of Jesus knows that we change the world by loving God, loving others, and making disciples Here we have the parable that the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed and the leaven. Uh, The mustard seed, small seed that becomes a tree. Leaven is what you put in the dough and you mix it in there. And just a little leaven impacts 
all of the dough. And the idea is, hey, do what God has called you to do. Be what God has called you to be in this world. And even if just a few of you do it, it's going to impact the world. We forget that if we do just what Jesus has asked us to do, and that is love God and love others, and go and make disciples, if we do those two things, we would change the world. And there's proof. The first followers of Jesus, that's what they did. And in 300 years, they transformed the then known world. They loved God, they loved others, and they went and made disciples. Eighth lesson is this. A disciple of Jesus intentionally reaches out to the lost, those who don't know Jesus. Luke chapters 15 and 16. In these two chapters are these three stories, parables, back to back, about how important lost people matter to the kingdom of God. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And after the story of the lost sheep, what does Jesus say? There's more rejoicing in heaven over one person who repents than 99 who don't need to repent. In other words, this is a really good thing that we're all gathered here and we're worshiping and we're learning and all that kind of stuff. This, this is really good. And heaven is rejoicing about us being together. But that is nothing Nothing compared to when one person repents and surrenders their life to Jesus. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. As a follower of Jesus, that's got to be our priority. It's got to be our number one thing. How are we seeking and saving the lost. Lesson number 10. We're getting close. Only three more. A disciple of Jesus takes what God has given him or her and puts it to work for the kingdom of God. Luke 19 and 20. In the midst of this is the story of the ten minas. This is where uh, a ruler takes ten servants and gives them each ten minas and says, hey, go use this. Go multiply it. One took the ten and doubled it. A second took the ten and increased it by five, and a third didn't increase it at all, just knew that the ruler was going to be, you know, if he lost it, the ruler would, you know, exact a crazy toll. So he buried it and brought it back, and the ruler took that ten minas and from that person and gave it to the one who had double increase. The whole point of the story is whatever talents and gifts that God has given you, are you using them for the kingdom of God? Are you using them to advance the kingdom of God? Lesson number 11. A disciple of Jesus will not lose their faith even in the midst of difficult times. This is the story of Peter when Peter is told by Jesus he would deny Christ three times. And right before that, Peter um, Jesus tells Peter, Satan has asked 
uh, if he can sift all of you out, all 12 of them out, and then he says, when you return, Peter, then strengthen your brothers. The point being for us as followers of Jesus is know this, is that when we are living our life as a follower of Jesus and we're advancing the kingdom, okay, and we're reaching the lost, know this, the evil one is going to want to come against you. And remember what we said at the beginning, the evil one's goal is death and destruction. He's going to come. So know this, the follower of Jesus knows this, and they don't lose their faith when hard times come. They, their faith increases. The last lesson that we looked at last week is this, the disciple of Jesus puts their hope in Jesus and his kingdom, not any earthly kingdom. Luke 23 and 24 is where this is found. So the question we ask is, where is my hope? Remember, the disciples put their hope in Jesus that he would establish his throne on earth, meaning he would kick the Romans out, overthrow the Romans. And then Jesus died on the cross. For a moment, they lost hope. Because what they thought Jesus was going to do didn't happen. So our hope needs to be in Jesus and what Jesus is going to do. Not in our own plan. Is my hope in Jesus and his glory and his plan or is it in me? So what do we do with all this? There's a lot there. The cool thing is, Jesus narrows this all down. And all of this is basically found in the great command and the great commission. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor, even your neighbor that's an enemy, as yourself. And then go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do likewise, to obey, to obey the love God, love others, and making disciples. Over the next two weeks, we're going to take some time to look at our mission and vision and core values, just a reminder of where we sit regarding those things and what are our priorities for this next year. As the elders and the staff have met together and prayed and talked about what it is that our priorities, we've come up with just five things, five outcomes that we want to see happen in this next year. And so we'll be going over that and other things over the next two weeks. Then after that, we're going to step into a series this fall. This series is have, having to do is how do we live out being a follower of Jesus in our culture today. So we're going to be looking at some of the issues that are going on in our world today. And then how do we bring the kingdom of God into this world and this culture and what we're facing. So those of you who are, are in, get our email or when we send out text messages, you get text, text message. Next week, you're going to receive a message at least to a form. And one of the things that we're going to ask you on this form is, what are some issues that are going on in the world today that 
you want to know how do we live as followers of Jesus in relationship to this issue. So that'll be our plan after the next two weeks. Our desire here at Crossroads is to help you be a follower of Jesus. To help you do what God has called you to do. To equip you to do the work of ministry. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray for uh, your spirit um, to fall on this place in a powerful way. Father, we desire to do what you've called us to do. Love you, love others, and to go and make disciples. Help us with that. Send out laborers into your harvest field. Give us wisdom and discernment and show us what you are doing and how we can partner with you. Father, we... um, We know that our world today needs you more than ever. We know that we are to be, um, to bring your kingdom into this world. So how do we do that? How do we partner with you as you seek and save the lost? Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask you to stand for the benediction. As you stand, we have just kind of this habit, this tradition of holding out your hands in a posture of receiving. So if that feels comfortable to you, just go ahead and put your hands out and receive it. And now I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that he would enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you may know the hope that he's called you to. That you may know the glorious inheritance that you have with all the saints. And that you may know his incredibly great power for us who believe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace.